Hey, welcome to today's show. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Lo and behold, current events. If the Space Force won't fight aliens, who the hell will? A couple of weeks ago, military news site Task and Purpose confirmed a disturbing fact. The newly created U.S. Space Force has no intention of fighting aliens. Despite the recent uptick of military UFO sightings, the Pentagon appears uninterested, at least officially, in the possibility of hostile aliens. But if an alien invasion does take place, which arm of the Pentagon would respond? The answer? Probably all of them. During a recent Pentagon roundtable, Task and Purpose's Pentagon reporter Jeff Shogel asked if the Space Force is concerned about the threats posed by extraterrestrial intelligence. The official answer he got back was, well, no. Shogel's question was asked with tongue firmly planted in cheek, but the revelation last year that U.S. Navy fighter jets encountered alleged UFO crafts in 2004 and again in 2015, in both instances appearing on radar and leaving behind video evidence makes one wonder. If the unidentified flying objects described by the Navy pilots, as well as military and civilian personnel for the past 70 years, are really of extraterrestrial origin and unfriendly, how would the Pentagon deal with them? If UFOs suddenly descend from the skies, toasting the Statue of Liberty, the Great Mall of America, and the Golden Gate Bridge with death rays, the Pentagon would need to convene some sort of study group to quickly determine what kind of threat it was dealing with. If that happens, forget the Air Force. Ironically, the service that would most likely take the lead is the U.S. Navy. Why the Navy, you ask? Aliens would likely come from vast distances, traveling light years and long-distance voyages to smash puny humans. The U.S. Navy is unique among the services in planning similar, though much, much shorter voyages. Both submarines and UFOs deal with pressure. In the case of submarines, the pressure is on the outside, while in space, the pressure is on the inside of the vehicle. From an operational and technical standpoint, aliens and sailors have few things in common. Hold 
There are other reasons the Navy might take the lead. 71% of Earth's surface is covered by water, and if aliens operated from the water, remember the 2004 sighting included reports of 737 sized object in the surface of the ocean. The Navy is unique in having manned aircraft, surface ships, and submarines prowling above, on and below the surface of the ocean. The Navy could also sail the most remote locations in the world's oceans, establishing a military presence for weeks or months to investigate and monitor for enemy activity. The Air Force could operate against aliens, but the service's fighters and bombers could only remain on station for mere minutes or hours before returning to base. Against a terrestrial threat, this isn't really a big deal, but against an alien threat we know nothing about, and according to the 2004 incident, theoretically capable of traveling extraordinary distances in the blink of an eye, such a force would be less useful. If humans could lure aliens into a set-piece battle the Air Force, and could bring a lot of uh, firepower, but how one lures aliens into battle is anyone's guess. In the meantime, the Space Force, nestled under control of the Air Force, would contribute to alien war by maintaining the U.S. military's network of position, navigation, and timing GPS satellites, communication satellites, and other space-based assets. The Army would be the service responsible if aliens attempted a landing in the United States, or presumably one of our allies. The Army's 10 combat divisions would spring into action, attempting to destroy the aliens with fire and maneuver. It would be in many ways similar to countering an airborne landing. With the Army attempting to destroy the aliens' landing zone and prevent the flow of alien reinforcements, the Marines could also get into the alien fighting, particularly overseas in Asia, Europe, or even the Middle East. Though one would like to think aliens would be smart enough to avoid that region and the prospect of their own 18-year war altogether. Of course, all of this is contingent on the U.S. military being on par with alien technology, which frankly is extremely unlikely. The universe is billions of years old, and other races could easily have a major head start of a million years or more on us. And certainly, any species capable of interstellar flight is far more technologically advanced than we are. Consider that a handful of 21st century tanks could crush an army from the 11th century, or even the 19th century for that matter. Even a difference of a thousand years would be ample enough to ensure humanity's defeat from even a minor alien expedition slash hunting slash trip slash bachelor party. If aliens do exist, ultimately, it may not matter if they are hostile or not, or destruction at their hand, our destruction at their hands would be about as inevitable as destruction from an extinction-level meteor impact. They could even be friendly, the combination of advanced destructive technology and violent tendencies leading to intelligent life, self-screening itself from interstellar travel, that would be uh, bad news for humanity, of course. The UFOs people are seeing could even be top-secret U.S. government craft. The aliens could be us in the end. Maybe it doesn't matter if the Pentagon has a plan to fight aliens after all.
there's a huge mass embedded in the center of the moon, and astronomers aren't sure what it is. Here is something you may not know about the moon. Earth's clingy best friend is also the site of one of the largest known impact craters in our entire solar system. Essentially, something caused a giant hole in the moon billions of years ago, and astronomers have just discovered that there's something big, really big, buried beneath the surface. According to research published in the journal Geophysical Research Letters, the moon's south pole Atkin base hides a mass that is estimated to be 4.8 quintillion pounds. Imagine taking a pile of metal five times larger than the big island of Hawaii and burying it underground. That's roughly how much unexpected mass was detected. The researchers from Baylor used various sets of data collected from spacecrafts that measure the gravity around the moon and compare them to maps and imaging of the moon's surface. As a result, they found a dense metallic mass pulling down on the floor of the basin. So what is it? James and his team surmise it could be metal embedded in the moon's mantle from the asteroid impact that caused the crater some estimated 4 billion years ago. If that's true, it could be a time machine and a gold mine for scientists studying the history of the universe. All of that metal and basically the entire area surrounding the mass and the crater could tell them a lot about the asteroid impact, how it happened, and what the solar system was like when it did happen. The basin is one of the best natural laboratories for studying catastrophic impact events, an ancient process that shaped all of the rocky planets and moons we see today. Unfortunately, the crater and the myster mystery substance below aren't visible to mere earthbound humans since they are on uh, literally the far side of the moon. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. British athletes claim sex ghost is haunting their reality TV show. Well, that's one way to scare publicity. Two British athletes starring on a reality show are claiming that a sex ghost seems to be haunting their hotel rooms. British Paralympian Kadena Cox and retired rugby star Gareth Thomas are two of the celebrities competing in The Jump, a British show where famous people compete in various snow sports. A ski jump with the stars, if you will. This season's first episode aired Sunday on the Channel 4 network. But the show is scaring up more attention for what's happening to the celebrities' hotel rooms. During the episode, the 25-year-old Cox reportedly asked for a new room after allegedly being sexually violated by a ghost. 
Another competing celebrity, Emma Parker Bowles, the Duchess of Cornwall's niece, said on the show that Cox was penetrated by some sort of paranormal entity. Thomas, 42, concurred. She had a ghost going in and out of her. She had a sleep thing, she said, according to the sun. She wishes it were a person. It was going in and out of her body. The feeling was apparently so real to her, she asked for a room change, as did Thomas. I wanted to move to different floors because when I'm hearing these ghost stories, I was at the very, very end of the corridor and I got scared, he said, according to the Express. Cox and Thomas are just the latest semi-famous people who've claimed to have had ghost sex. Last year, Bobby Brown promoted his autobiography by claiming a ghost had sex with him. It wasn't, uh, he said he wasn't high, Brown told 2020. I wasn't tripping. In September of 2012, Kesha told Ryan Seacrest her song Supernatural was inspired by a Randy romp with a male ghost. It's about experiences with the supernatural, but in a sexy way, she told Seacrest. I had a couple of experiences with the supernatural. I don't know his name. He was a ghost, and I'm very open to it. The concept of ghost sex arouses a lot of interest. <laughs> arouses, that's a good word. And there are some people, um, spectrophiliacs, who fantasize about spooky encounters. Debunkers, however, are quick to dismiss ghost on human whoopee. Ben Radford, the deputy editor of Skeptical Inquirer magazine, calls such experiences hypnopomic and hypnagogic hallucinations. These vivid hallucinations, which can be sexual, are common to people who are going in and out of sleep. They are also usually harmless, Radford said in 2014, in the article for Seeker.com. The seven most haunted locations in the United States. Paranormal places. You don't need to believe in ghosts to enjoy a ghost story. The tales that have grown over generations around reputable haunted places can take on a fantastic life of their own in folklore, and the stories that surround a place can influence our experiences of them. All it takes is a creepy place, a touch of imagination, and a glimpse of something unexpected, only half seen. So prepare to suspend your belief for this countdown of the histories of seven of the most haunted places in the United States. Waverly Hill Sanitarium. I'm sure everyone has heard of this if you've ever watched any of the most recent uh, paranormal-related documentary-type programs. It's a uh, grim, bat-winged building is the archetype of the, hus the haunted hospital or insane asylum, whatever you want to call it. It's based in Louisville, Kentucky. The first hospital on this windswept hill on the edge of Louisville was built in 1910 to uh, treat... Am I calling it Louisville? That is embarrassing, since I am more than familiar with the Louisville slugger. Louisville. I'm very sorry to all of my listeners in Louisville. It is not Louisville. That's like calling Illinois, Illinois. Anyway, it was built in 1910 to treat victims of the White Plague, tuberculosis, that was ravaging the country at that time. At the time, there were uh, no known cures for the disease, 
and was often fatal. In some cases, doctors tried experimental methods to help ease the symptoms, and stories emerged of illicit medical experiments in which the cure often proved as fatal as the disease. Certainly, the sanatorium was the scene of many deaths over the years, although claims that more than 60,000 patients died there are exaggerated, according to surviving records from the hospital. Historians say the real number was likely closer to 8,000, which a total of 152 deaths in 1945 was listed as the worst year of the epidemic. Waverly Hills served as a geriatric hospital from the 1960s to the 1980s, and several stories about the spooky old hospital are based on rumors from this time that the patients were mistreated, including claims that radical treatments such as electroshock therapy were used. In the years since Waverly Hills was closed for good, wanderers, thrill-seekers, and ghost hunters who find their way inside the building have told of slamming doors and strange noises in the deserted building. Others reported hearing footsteps and the screams of patients have been heard from empty rooms. Ghostly shadows, forms, and so forth have been said to gather in the building's dark recesses and are said to follow visitors through the narrow corridors. Phantom footsteps and voices reportedly echo along the death tunnel or body chute, an underground tunnel that leads from the hospital to railway tracks at the bottom of the hill to transport the dead away from the hospital where the living patients would not see them. Several stories center on the fifth floor of the hospital where tuberculosis patients with mental disturbances were reportedly treated. In particular, room 502, where two nurses are said to have killed themselves, one by hanging and the other by jumping to her death. It is said to be haunted. Some visitors claim to have seen mysterious shapes moving in the windows or have heard voices telling them to get out. Savannah, Georgia, home to dozens of celebrated haunted houses and hundreds of ghost sightings. Savannah is often called the most haunted city in the United States, especially by its many ghost tour operators, who have often uh, begun with a visit to the city's historic cemetery, a tangle of stone tombs, eerie statues, and spooky trees laced with Spanish moss. Among the cemetery's resident ghosts is that of Gracie Watson, a six-year-old who died of pneumonia in 1889. Her ghost is said to haunt the life-size statue that stands over her grave, which, like several other funeral statues in the cemetery, are sometimes said to move as if they were alive, while the sound of children playing or crying is sometimes heard nearby. Savannah's Hampton Lilybridge House was built in 1797 and was relocated to its current location several years later. Despite the discovery of a mysterious crypt beneath the new property, which has never been opened, since then no fewer than 26 families have lived in the house and have complained of various ghostly going-ons that forced them to move out. These strange encounters included furniture moving around and doors locking themselves. The most famous haunted house in Savannah may be the Sorrel Weed House, 
which appeared in the opening shots of the 1994 film Forrest Gump, directed by Robert Zemeckis. The Sorel Weed House is said to be the haunted by at least two vengeful ghosts, the wife and the rival lover of a shipping merchant, Francis Sorel, who built the house in 1840. Francis' wife, Matilda Sorel, allegedly jumped to her death when she discovered her husband's infidelity. But historical researchers point out that by the time of her reported suicide, in a moment of lunacy, the Sorel family had moved out to another property next door. The Whaley House, which is located in San Diego, California. Whaley House in San Diego is the most haunted house in America, according to Life magazine. This house was built in 1857 on the site of a former graveyard and gallows. Over the years, it has served as a family home, a grain store, the San Diego County Courthouse, the city's first commercial theater, a ballroom, billiard hall, and a school. It subsequently opened as a museum in 1960. The oldest resident ghost at Whaley House is said to be the convicted robber Yankee Jim Robinson, who was hanged in 1852 from a gallow that stood on the property. Before the house was built, according to a newspaper report, as the wagon holding him beneath the gallows moved away, Yankee Jim dragged his feet on the wagon for as long as possible before swinging like a pendulum and slowly strangling to death. Although Thomas Whaley, a settler and merchant, witnessed Yankee Jim's gruesome execution, he didn't it didn't prevent him from purchasing the property a few years later and building a house there. But within a few weeks of moving in, the Whaley family reported hearing heavy footsteps as if made by boots of a large man. The reports of footsteps and other sounds have persisted for more than 100 years. The youngest daughter of the family, who lived in the house until 1953, was reportedly convinced that it was haunted by the ghost of Yankee Jim. And visitors of the museum in the 1960s also reported hearing a phantom walking noise. Other visitors say they've seen the ghosts of the Whaley family themselves and the ghost of a woman in a long skirt in the former county courtroom. One parapsychologist reported that he saw a phantom dog running inside the house, similar to a fox terrier, the type of dog that was owned by the Wheelie family. Next location is Bachelors Grove Cemetery in Chicago, Illinois. This small cemetery in a forest of the outskirts of Chicago has earned a reputation of the most haunted graveyard in the United States, thanks to more than 100 documented sightings of ghosts, strange lights, and other suggestively supernatural episodes. During the 1950s, after an outbreak of vandalism at the remote site, several people claimed to have seen an entity, an entire phantom farmhouse shimmering above the graveyard, which receded as they approached it. Others say they've seen the ghost of a farmer and his plow horse who died when they were dragged to their death in a nearby pond. Some people driving on the roads near the cemetery at night have reported encounters with a phantom 1940s-style gangster car that appears on the road in front of them before turning off the road and disappearing. Others claimed to have crashed in the phantom car at a sharp curve into the road, but after the shock had passed, there was no damage to their vehicle and there was no other car. 
1991, the Chicago Sun-Times newspaper ran a celebrated photograph taken by a visitor to the graveyard showing what appeared to be the semi-transparent form of a woman in an old-fashioned dress sitting on a gravestone. The photographer, part of a paranormal research team, claimed that the woman was not visible when the photograph was taken. The figure in the photograph has become known as the Madonna of Bachelor's Grove. It may be linked to the legend of the White Lady, the ghost of a woman buried next to her young child who is said to walk through the graveyard on nights of the full moon with the infant wrapped in her arms. Next on the list is in St. Louis, New Orleans, Louisiana, the St. Louis Cemetery. Paranormal, the paranormal has a distinctive local flavor in New Orleans, which vies with uh, Savannah for the title of the most haunted city in America anyway. One of the city's most infamous haunted houses is the La La Laurie Mansion in the French Quarter. The mansion is the former home of Madame La Laurie, a wealthy widow and prominent socialite. In April 1834, after a fire at the house, rescuers found bound slaves in a secret torture chamber in the attic who had been horribly tortured over a long period and there were signs that others had been murdered there as well. If you remember, uh, I believe it was season 5 of American Horror Story no, season 3 of American Horror Story uh, Coven they dealt with uh, the vengeful spirit of Madame Lalaurie and showed all of the horrible acts that she committed against her slaves and the experiments she used her slaves for. Uh, When the discovery became known, the house was raided by an outraged mob of citizens, and Madame Lalaurie fled the city. Later occupants of the building have claimed it is still haunted by the ghosts of her victims. The St. Louis Cemetery, number one in New Orleans, has something of a reputation for the dead not staying in their graves. Among them, Marie Laveau, the city's historical queen of voodoo, who died in 1851, but it was said to materialize above the crypt where she is buried each St. John's Eve, which is June 23rd. The Myrtles Plantation at St. Francisville, just outside of New Orleans, is rumored to have been built on a Tunica Indian burial ground. At least 12 ghosts are said to haunt this location of the plantation grounds and buildings, including Chloe, a slave who had was accused of poisoning the family of the plantation owners. The ghosts of her victims and mother and daughter are reported to be trapped inside a mirror in the main house. The ghost of a later owner, William Winter, is said to haunt the main staircase of the plantation house. Winter died in 1871 after being shot by a stranger who approached the house. Winter staggered inside and climbed to the stairs to the 17th step where he died in his wife's arms. It is said his phantom footsteps can sometimes be heard on the staircase, climbing to the 17th step before stopping. Our next location which is among the seven most haunted places in the United States, is Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. I myself spent a week in there, and the accounts that we witnessed, the paranormal activity that resides within this property, the whole location, if you were to build a subdivision in the middle of the field itself of Gettysburg, where the battles took place, 
Every single house would be haunted in this subdivision, not because of what took place in the houses, thus making it haunted, but the property itself would haunt the houses. It is the largest and deadliest battle in the American Civil War, and it took place in Gettysburg. In 1863, more than 8,000 combatants were killed at Gettysburg, and in the years since the bloody battle, an uncommon number of ghost stories have been linked to events and personalities on the battlefield. Several visitors to what is now the Gettysburg National Military Park have reported hearing sounds of battle, including phantom cannon fire and disembodied shouts or screams of ghostly soldiers. At a high rocky outcrop on the battlefield, it's called the Devil's Den, where heavy fighting took place on the second day of the battle, which was June, uh, July 2nd, 1836. Several visitors over the years claim to have heard the sound of drum rolls and gunfire. Devil's Den is also said to be haunted by the apparently friendly and sometimes talkative ghost of a soldier wearing a buckskin clothing, a large hat, and no shoes. Several ghost sightings have also been reported at the hill called Little Round Top, where Confederate troops were forced back from an assault on the flank of the Union forces. Also on July 2nd, 1863, an event regarded by many historians as a turning point in the battle. It has been claimed that some Civil War enactors, reenactors, I should say, who worked on the 1993 film Gettysburg, a dramatization of the battle, met and spoke with a man in a shabby Union Army uniform who gave them some musket rounds, which they assumed were movie props but which they later learned were Civil War rounds in pristine condition. Legend tells that three Confederate soldiers were hanged at Saks Bridge, a covered bridge a few hundred yards west of the Gettysburg battlefield. Some stories say the soldiers have deserted from their unit, while others say they were hanged as spies. The bridge is now a favorite site for ghost hunters, and some claim to have heard sounds of loud gunfire and galloping horses, while others reported seeing strange moving mists and unexplicable lights. Saks Bridge was one line of retreat for General Robert E. Lee's defeated army of Northern Virginia over after the Union victory at Gettysburg, and the smell of smoke from the General's pipe has sometimes been reported nearby. The St. Augustine Light Station in St. Augustine, Florida. St. Augustine's Light Station may be best known as the hundreds. Well, that's all for tonight. Thank you for your undivided attention, and I'll see you soon. Keep watching the skies.